Psalm number 72. Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge thy people with righteousness, and thy poor with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the people, and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy, and shall break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass, as showers that water the earth. In his days shall the, right, shall the righteousness flourish, and abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea, and from the river unto the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him, and his enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. For he shall deliver the needy when he crieth, the poor also, and him that hath no helper. He shall spare the poor and needy, and shall save the souls of the needy. He shall redeem their souls from deceit and violence. And precious shall their blood be in his sight. And he shall live. And to him shall be given of the gold of Sheba. Prayer also shall be made for him continually. And daily shall he be praised. There shall be an handful of corn in the earth upon the top of the mountains. The fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon. And they of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall continue as long as the sun. And men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him, shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doth wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. And let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Our brother's subject this morning is, Who Can Separate Us from Christ? Let's now give our attention to our brother Rodney. Today, very soon, our Lord will return. The Son of God will return in like manner as he was witnessed being taken up into heaven. The purpose of his return to earth is clearly detailed in both the Old and the New Testaments. In Psalm 72, David, the king of Israel, recorded a beautiful passage which prophesied of the work of his offspring, the Lord Jesus Christ. Returning to sit upon David's throne, our Lord will judge the people with righteousness and the poor with judgment. In his days shall the righteous flourish and abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. His kingdom shall have dominion from sea to sea and from river, the river to the ends of the earth. All kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him, and all nations shall call him blessed. The psalmist concludes, Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things, and blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The transformation of this earth from the wickedness and evil we see around us today to a time when all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord 
will not and in fact cannot be accomplished by mankind alone. Man is traveling in the opposite direction from God just as fast as he can. It was rightly prophesied from the scriptures that in the last days would be likened to the times of Noah and of Lot. Only the return of God's Son to the earth will begin the drastic change from the world tainted by man's rule for, th- for 6,000 years to a day when the law shall go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, a day when all shall know him from the least even unto the greatest. Not one person on the earth will be unaffected by these events. For the true believer, there lies an opportunity at our Lord's return. For those who have given diligence to make their calling and election sure, an abundant entrance shall be ministered unto them into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. But our Lord also warns us that no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. With the vision of the kingdom of God firmly set in our sights, which we read about in Psalm 72, is there anything in this world which has the power to draw us away from God's truth? Turn with me, please, to Romans 8, verse 35. Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Does a life in Christ guarantee that our probation will be free from tribulation or distress? Does our faith free us from persecution from the world? Does the active participation in the things pertaining to God Remove us from famine or nakedness, peril or sword? Certainly it does not. We turn to Matthew chapter 25. Starting at verse 34. Matthew 25, 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hungered, and fed thee, or thirst, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king answered and said, The king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. The fact is not hidden that the brethren of Christ are subject to hunger, thirst, nakedness, illness, imprisonment, And those able and willing to help others in distress will surely be favored by our Lord at the judgment. If we turn back to Romans chapter 8. We continue the thought in verse 36. 
that after it is written, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, in verse 36, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. The ecclesias throughout the first few centuries endured far greater physical trials than the ecclesias of today. The Bible provides the accounts of the stoning of Stephen, the beheading of John the Baptist, Herod's killing of James, the brother of John, by the sword, and many other examples. Even Paul, who penned these words in Romans, persecuted the ecclesia before his conversion. It is recorded in Acts that he made havoc in the ecclesia, committing men and women to prison. After his conversion, Paul endured many things himself for the name of Christ. I'd like to look at 2 Corinthians 2 Corinthians 11. Starting at verse 23. Are the ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prison more frequent. In deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils of the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Certainly Paul the Apostle was able to endure those things which the Lord set before him. We'd also like to look in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 gives account of many of the faithful throughout the Old Testament scriptures who endured many things. In the 35th verse of Hebrews 11, we read that women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword, They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. The Old Testament bears records of many of the trials and tribulations of those endured by the saints of old. As we move into the New Testament, we see our Lord Jesus Christ. Was he any different from us today in the trials and tribulations he may have faced? Did his righteousness earn him a life free from adversity? We are told in Hebrews that though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. We, like him, must learn from any trials or conflicts in our lives. We read in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 5. 
And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the, the father chasteneth not? And in verse 11, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. No chastening is joyous, and yet it is able to yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness, but only to those who are exercised thereby. We are told that God chasteneth all whom he loves. We started this morning with the reading in verse Psalm in Psalm 72 to get a glimpse of the joyous time which is to come. And Brother Jerry uh, spoke very well on that the other night. Certainly whatever problems we endure in this life cannot compare to the joy which is set before us, just as Christ endured for the joy that was set before him. What should we do when we are in distress? If we turn to James chapter 4, James chapter 4, starting at verse 6. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will free from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Draw nigh to God, and he shall draw nigh unto you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. This is sound advice for us all, whether in times of adversity or in times of prosperity. So again, the question comes to mind. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Or perhaps we could reword it to ask, what does separate us from the love of Christ? Certainly the trials of this life would include the attraction to the world around us. This attraction can pull a believer totally out of the truth. Or it could take time away from the performance of God's will, the reading of scriptures, the attendance of Bible classes, and the memorial service in Sunday schools. As an example, we would like to take a look at Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to take a look at Demas, who was mentioned three times in the scriptures. Uh, Colossians 4 verse 14 This is Paul concluding his letter to the Colossians, sending greetings out to various brothers and sisters. Luke, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. I'd like to take another look at Demas and Philemon, verse 24. Philemon, verse 24. 
We'll read 23 and 24. There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow servant in Christ Jesus. And in Philemon 24, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my, my fellow laborers. <coughs> Demas here is called a fellow laborer with Paul. Certainly Demas was active in the declaration of the gospel to have warranted mention in two different epistles. He must have seen the Holy Spirit's power in action displayed by Paul and other apostles in the healing of the sick and the working of miracles in the declaration of the truth. It, what The last we hear of Demas is in Second Timothy, chapter 4. Second Timothy 4, verse 14. No, excuse me, verse 9 and 10. Second Timothy 4, 9 and 10. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas, ha- Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens, to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Demas had forsaken Paul, having loved this present world. At no time in our mortal lives will we, will we be free from the temptations of the world around us. John states in 1 John chapter 2, First John 2, starting at verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things which are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of God is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The world we live in today is full of darkness. It is as subtle and as deadly as the serpent in the garden. The world speaks lies and hypocrisies that can only draw away believers into its ungodly ways. Truly the Lord will come as a thief in the night to this unsuspecting world. Paul, knowing that even though some would depart from the faith. Excuse me. If we go back to Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, Paul concludes this chapter on a positive note. Paul, knowing that even though some would depart from the faith, there would remain a remnant of faithful believers, those who endure tribulation and persecution and separate themselves from the world around them. To them will be granted an entrance into God's kingdom through his grace and his mercy. We'd like to finish out the chapter. We'll go ahead and read from verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. 
As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life nor death, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in the which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you.